ESPN-UP is your home for the sports pen. Tanner Hoops with you. Glad to have you along Friday afternoon. It is Hockey Friday, per usual. We're coming off Hockey Thursday in Hockeyville, of course, in Calumet. Ryan Stieg of the Mining Journal with me. 24 hours ago, Ryan, you and I were seated uh, in front of the equipment, looking out to a sheet of ice from an observation deck. I don't know if that's the right (laughs) word. And now we're back to normal here inside the studio, maybe with a little less energy than normal. Yeah, it, uh, it was a long day. Uh, got some good, watched some hockey, but it was a long day. We were both there from the early morning, so it was. Uh, but uh, in the end, it was a fun game. A lot of people enjoyed themselves. So yeah. it, it was a really fun day, I tell you what, and it was so special for the city of Calumet. We talked about what was going on throughout the day. We were getting the listeners ready for the game, leading up to puck drop. Now let's go back and recap the game, but can we just reiterate and reemphasize how big this was for the city of Calumet and how special it was? I mean, the NHL certainly picked the right town for this. Oh, yeah. Um, fan voting is always interesting with Hockeyville because um, people put in their nominations. Um, it gets narrowed down, and it gets, and then fan voting keeps whittling down even further. And uh, Calumet had a very interesting venue. Um, compared to, you know, when you're comparing Marquette to Calumet, Marquette, much more spacious arena, um, just a little more, it's wide open. Uh, people are a little, let's see, they're a little further away from the rink, but there's also more open air for the uh, for the media, whereas we were condensed in a box, basically, <laughs> above the which, I mean, it was a great view. Right. But it was like, it was like you couldn't hear any crowd noise, no. you couldn't hear the PA, you're just basically guessing what the penalties were and stuff like that so but uh yeah I, i've that arena kind of fascinated me my favorite thing by far is the zamboni garage yes. i tweeted about because it it's like you know other you know most zambonis when they come out they separate the boards mm-hmm. and move them aside and it's kind of like a door but like <laughs> calumet it's like an auto repair garage it like <laughs> opens up wide and it flips over and it, it's i don't know i thought that was kind of cool and uh Apparently, I made people happy that I said that it was cool, because I guess it's a sense of pride for Calumet and that they have that thing. It was a really cool event that they put on down to the last detail, even with special guest appearance by Commissioner Gary Bettman, who I didn't know was going to be there. Nobody they, knew They really kept that under wraps. The NHL, the higher-ups, the organizers did. None of us knew, you and I, nor any of the media knew, and certainly the public didn't know that he was going to be there until the pregame when he came out on the red carpet at Center Ice, and he presented Calumet with the high Hockeyville Trophy, and then of course Steve Eiserman made an appearance. I don't think anybody knew he was going to be there till they introduced him mid-game. Yeah, it uh, kept a lot of things quiet. Uh, you know, very little people. We, very few of us actually knew what was going on up there. <laughs> it's like they periodically tell us what was going to happen, but that stuff was completely secret. Um, but it was an interesting. Uh, I like the compact arena. It was very, you know, it's so small up in Calumet. Mm-hmm. It was like. It was like you were watching a game played on, you know, like the indoor skating rink, mm. <laughs> like in your small town. Whereas in Lakeview, it was like, okay, it was like kind of like watching a game being played at the Barry. You know, it was more open, you know. It's like this the size of a college hockey arena, mm-hmm. a mid-sized one. So it was just, it was a different experience. Both were fun. Um, but uh, my favorite thing, another thing, in addition to Calumet's awesome auto repair garage Zamboni Center, was... Uh, the skating color guard. I didn't know they yes. had that. That was kind of cool. How cool was that? Yeah, they, you know, the ceremony for the national anthem. Had, you know, the color guard was skating out there. Kudos to them because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people who can actually skate while holding a flag right. up in the air. You know, um, so that was kind of cool, and uh, it was it was just a fun night. I tell you what, they had the high school team. They were shoveling the ice between period. Uh, periods and media timeouts what have you it was really cool down to the last detail and calumet got up for it the city practically shut down and they were treated to a really good game where the homish town team ended up winning four to one i mean they blew the doors off st louis did that surprise you at all um before i get in that i you know marquette did the same thing i love that they got the high school players involved mm-hmm. you know calumet's players were clearing the ice and then marquette's players back in 2016 we got to clear the ice in between periods um and then the game obviously was a very biased pro red wings crowd which yeah. didn't surprise anybody um but i think they're all everybody's just kind of hoping for a good game and uh it started that way, mm-hmm. and then uh, especially in the first part of the second period when uh, St. Louis tied it, and then Mantha scored his goal, and it was 2-1. You're thinking, oh, this is going to be like a competitive back and forth, and the Wings kind of put it away <laughs> in the second period because, I don't know, 
uh, just the Blues just look like a step slow, which you wouldn't expect because the Blues had more veteran players mm-hmm. in their lineup. Maybe they just saw it as a preseason game and were just like, okay, you know, we're put, trying to put on a good show, whereas the Red Wings had so many prospects playing. They were like, okay, we're going to blow the doors off this place <laughs> and try to make a really good case. Um, fortunately, Trey Loggins and Dom Shine didn't get a whole lot of playing time. Mm-hmm. I thought I was hoping they'd get a little more, but uh, they were used sparingly. Um, we had to search when we were up there. Oh, is he on the ice now? <laughs> is, he like, is, he, is he playing now? Because it was like... I mean, they'd get on the ice what like each period, maybe like three times, yeah. and it was so it, that was a little disappointing. Um, but uh, overall, it was a it was a good night. The fans get really into it. The only thing I didn't like was the fact that uh, we were condensed in the box because yeah. I would have loved to actually hear the crowd noise when the uh, you know when the goals were scored and you know when Bettman was on there. I want to hear if he got booed. <laughs> I wanted to, you know I, you know when Eiserman's there if he got you know it's like that was the only drawback that I, I wasn't you know happy about was the fact that we were. <laughs> We're sequestered in our own little isolation box and weren't really able to participate with a whole lot of stuff. So that was the only drawback. Anthony Monta scored late in the first period, and that gave the Red Wings a one nothing lead, although they had been out shooting St. Louis early on in that period. St. Louis started to even things up toward the end. Shots, I think, were 9-7 after one period. And then, like you alluded to earlier, two goals, one for each team in the first like four minutes of the second period. Mm-hmm. St. Louis tied it up with Ryan O'Reilly. And then Monta scores again. I think it was off Chelowski's deflection. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it was Dennis Chelowski. And from there, Detroit just kind of blew it open. I think, uh, well, the first goal, uh, Matt scored and was one-timer. Which oh, I'm is, sorry, you're right. You're right. It was the breakaway. That was the, the breakaway that was in. Um, the the first one, the first period, Matt scored on a one-timer to the far post. That was kind of a cool shot. Mm-hmm. I don't think he even thought he scored because yeah. it was like a delayed reaction. I'm like, hey, <laughs> I did it. And then there was, um, and then, O'Reilly got a deflection to tie it up for the Blues. Um, that was a really good deflection. Like yeah. he basically just stuck his stick out there and got it to go off into the net. And then Mantha creates a turnover, gotten a breakaway, and basically lifted one over Bennington, mm-hmm. who just was totally beat on the play. Um, and then, and then the other ones, uh, Rasmussen uh, got one. It was a scrum in front of the net. Mm-hmm. Puck sitting there, Bennington scrambling to get it. I think he made the first stop, but like. Like, he got nudged, and the puck came loose yep. un- under his gloves, so then Rasmussen was able to get it in. And then the second, and then the last one, it was... Pl- it was uh, that was Chelowski's deflection. Yeah. That's the one I was thinking yeah. of, and I wrongly credited yeah, it to Monta. Yeah, it's, it's okay. We had, um, but he fired a shot. It looked like it was going in. We Everybody thought it went to him, but then they saw... Rasmussen just got a slight mm-hmm. piece of it with his stick, so he ended up getting credited for it. But it was, uh, it was a, it was a good performance by the Wings. You know, you were thinking with so many young guys and untested guys in line. I mean, the Kaiser played, yeah. you know, um, but uh, I mean, Larkin. and Larkin played. But really, as a whole, and Mantha, those are like their three stars. Right. Really, everybody else sat on the bench. Because there the was man. no Abdulkader, there was no Athanasiu. Is yeah, I'm saying it right. Athanasiu. Athanasiu, whatever. Oh, by the way, uh, kudos to that kid for pronouncing it correctly. Did you see that? Yeah. yeah. He uh, is better at it than most pros, including myself. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> he was, you know, um, that was a cool thing. And I like that kid and the other kid um, from Calumet because they interviewed some kids in between periods. Or was it or like it was like a stoppage in play where they mm-hmm. talked to the kids and, and they said, like, oh, who's your favorite player? And, like, the first few kids also Dylan Larkin, which yeah. isn't surprising. But then the... Uh, and one kid said Anthony Mantha, and I'm like, did the kid, this kid really like Anthony Mantha? Is the fact that Anthony Mantha gave him the lead? <laughs> and then the other kid was uh, said Anthony Siu, and he was just like, I was like, not only did he pronounce it right, he picked a, a player that isn't really mentioned a whole lot. He, so. he could probably spell it. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, that name, it's just tough for me. It always has been. Give me Giannis Antetokounmpo. I bet I could spell that and probably get it right before I could say. Maybe it's before whatever his name is. Maybe uh, maybe it's because I'm more of a hockey guy. I can get that one where mm-hmm. I stumble where I stumble over the place with Giannis's name. Well, in some names in hockey, I can get like Andre Vasilevsky. I've never had problems with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are certain names that you know they're fine with me. I remember when I was in the USHL and Sioux City would play Sioux Falls, and I had to deal with Artem Ivan Yazenkov. Yeah. But for whatever reason, that name, that Red Wings I think player, it's, uh, just I think trips it, me yeah, up. Yeah. So, but. Hey, that kid. Hire that kid. He'll he'll he'll, he'll pronounce <laughs> names for you good. Uh, but yeah, it was just uh, it was a f- I. The crowd was clearly into it. Um, 
There were a couple blues gear in there. Yeah, I thought there this were. was going to be like a, we thought a sea of red mm-hmm. was going to be the case, but there were a, cu- a couple blues gears out yeah. there. Um, you know, uh, when O'Reilly scored, there were some cheers going on, and mm-hmm. even the Red Wings fans out there. I think they were, as much as they wanted to see a Wings win, they wanted to see a good game. Mm-hmm. And uh, the one in Marquette wasn't exactly a great game. You know, fun festivities, but the game was kind of a dud. Whereas this one, there was a lot more scoring, um, a little more energy in the building. and uh, But overall, it was, it was a good time. Did it surprise you that, at least I didn't see, maybe you did, I didn't see anybody wearing a jersey other than the Red Wings or the Blues? Oftentimes when I go to hockey games and I see people there that are just fans of hockey, not a fan of either team, you know, they'll wear their, their, they'll wear their favorite team's jersey. I didn't see any of that there yesterday. Does that surprise you? Uh, a little bit. Um, maybe at... Maybe I thought I'd see like a tech jersey in the yeah. crowd or something like that, or uh, maybe uh, maybe a Calumet jersey or yeah. something like that. The players were wearing when they were on the ice, but uh, no, it was pretty much <laughs> I would say ninety eight percent Red Wings crowd and the two and the <laughs> small contingent of Blues fans. But uh, yeah, um, the passion was there. Everybody seemed happy. Everybody mm-hmm. was in good spirits, and, uh, and that's kind of what you're hoping for. And uh, the most thing I was intrigued about was the compact arena because yeah. Calumet's so small, um, their arena. And uh, after seeing a Cockeyville game in a 3,200-seat arena compared to a, God, what, 900 is kind of generous, isn't I it? I think it's seven. I yeah. still think it's 700. Yeah, and uh, maybe they were able to shove some extra people in there to make it look like the capacity's <laughs> bigger than it actually was. But uh, it was it was still cool. Um I liked it. It would create a more intimate atmosphere. It felt like you were actually playing like on your local skating rink, mm-hmm. you know, where there's no not a whole lot of seating. People go there just to skate and have fun, and uh, that was great. The Red Wings are happy to be there. Um, shine and Loggins were thrilled to be there because yep. it was their chance to shine. Then get the playing time to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, and uh, Mitch Ranky from you know who played at Tech. He I was thought he had Blues. a good game. He had a pretty good game overall. Uh, it just was. I, I just it was an enjoyable experience, and I think everybody had fun who was there. How good was Calvin Pickard last night? I don't even know how to describe Calvin because it was like I feel like St. Louis was really inept at a lot of times. I mean, they did outshoot the Red yeah. Wings thirty-seven twenty-six, yes. but Pickard looked pretty good last night. Yeah, with the exception of the deflection, which really wasn't on him. That mm-hmm. was just a good play by Ryan O'Reilly. But uh, he looked good. Stonewalled some good shots. Uh, he was. Um, Jimmy Howard, not in attendance. That was a little disappointing. But, uh, I mean, <laughs> a bunch of goalies that, unless you're a real Red Wings fan, you're probably like, who are these guys playing? <laughs> I mean, like, the Blues goalies, people knew who the goal- Blues goalies oh, sure. were. But, like, I looked at the roster, and I'm like, wow, they really didn't bring their A game when it came to goaltenders. They brought whoever was available. But, yeah, uh, Calvin had a pretty solid night. Um,. It was interesting from our vantage point because we were situated like directly above the goalie, mm-hmm. or you were like right near the right faceoff circle. Mm-hmm. I was like just like peeking over his blocker is basically my where my spot was. There's a little bar like hanging over right under the box. It was a little hard. You had to if there was like a scrum in front of the net, you practically had to stand up to see what was going on. But uh, yeah, it was a good game. I tell you what, afterwards, when the coaches and some players were made available to the media, Craig Berube, St. Louis head coach, chastied a reporter maybe a little bit. Let's just say he was curt with them. When asked about Jordan Bennington's play, the reporter said that Bennington had a tough night and asked what he could take away from a performance like that. And Berube simply said, I thought he played great. And in a follow-up question, he seemed to pin the blame on his defense. Would you agree with that assessment? I would say his defense actually played worse than uh, than Jordan Bington. Yeah. I mean, when you look at the stat sheet and you see 4-1, you think it's all on the goalie. Right. I mean, and I would say one of the goals he probably should have had. Um, I would say maybe the Mantha breakaway, he probably should have had that one <laughs> because it wasn't like a terrific shot. He right. probably, you know, he'd be in better position. He probably could have had it. Um, but the other ones, those are all just good plays, you know, by and uh, defensive lapses. Um, I don't know if the Blues just had a really youthful decor out there or what, but just they, they let Bingham down and uh, made him look worse on national TV than he deserved <laughs> to be. <laughs> 
<laughs> I tell you what, the best line from the post-game presser came from Jeff Blaschel, who's a native of Sault Ste. Marie, gets to come back here to the Upper Peninsula. He's obsessed with pasties. He loves pasties. He said he had one before the game, and he was in such a good mood that he was going to enjoy another one before the flight took off to go home. That was a great soundbite. And also, what was it? Uh, didn't he also mention that... Uh, you know, he gets he had a couple people upset with him because uh-huh. he said the East End's better than the West End, and he said, "Because I'm from the East End." He's like, "So we wanted to beat the West End," but it's like he's like everybody in ho- UP hockey's just great in general. So I was trying to be the peacemaker kind of a thing. You know, I didn't mean it in a bad way. That so, but uh, he was happy to be there. I think it's it's nice when coaches are from Michigan mm-hmm. or from the UP because you can tell that they really, really get into it. Like yeah. Billsmo when he showed up to Marquette, he's from the LP. Mm-hmm. He's you know, he played at Bowling Green. He played at Lakeview against Northern. He knows what Lakeview is like. He knows what the atmosphere is like and he was happy to be there. He'd been to the UP a few times. There were um you know, Don Waddle, who was the GM <laughs> of the Hurricanes, played at Northern. They you know, they were excited to be there. And then you flip it to Blaschel who's from Sault Ste. Marie, and he's excited to be in the UP, too. And I think that's what uh, they're kind of getting towards with the NHL, is to try to find, when they do Hockeyville, try to find connections. Not just throw some teams in there, but to like, okay, what makes this team, which is why this team should be here, and all that jazz. Uh, the Blues being there was still kind of a interesting kind of head-scratching well, moment. Champs. Yeah. I wonder if they were already on the schedule that they were going to be there, and then they ended up winning the cup, and that was kind of like, a, oh, here's an extra incentive. That works out. Yeah, no, it worked out perfectly because, uh, um, from what I've gathered, they don't normally try to sh- shove the Stanley Cup tramps into a Hockeyville event. Mm-hmm. So, um, I guess as the Wings and Blues were probably already picked to be there, and then the Blues won the cup surprisingly, and it was like, oh, it's a perfect fit. Everybody's happy. But uh, yeah, it was it was a great night. Um, uh, the players were happy to be there. The coaches were happy to be there. Um, just seemed like everybody had fun. Didn't, I didn't see a sad face in the crowd, except maybe maybe Craig Berube. <laughs> <laughs> that was about it. I tell you what, we're coming up on a break. Last thing on Hockeyville, your favorite moment from yesterday. That's a tough call. Um, I... I I, I would say the crowd mm. if I had he- been able to hear it. That's probably what <laughs> probably would have would have said the most. Um, probably just uh, I would say the the post game pressers because mm. everybody seemed to be glad e- even if the Blues lost and yet they weren't they weren't in awful spirits. Mm-hmm. They were like you know they were glad to be here. Blash of course was thrilled to be here. Yeah, and uh, it's like they realized that yeah you know you're trying to prepare for the season. But at the same time, this is a special occasion. It's not about preparation. It's about putting on a good show for people who, you know, deserved a good game. And uh, that's, that was his about, and I think everybody was able to see that. My favorite moment easily was when Pierre Maguire recognized me. From well, of course. He recognized me. There you go. Because if you missed the story yesterday, I was on Local 3 Wednesday night. Pierre was in the UP by then, watching local news from his hotel. When I went to shake his hand the next day, he said, I saw you on TV last night. Mm-hmm. Pierre, I've seen you once or twice, too. There you go. <laughs> so now you're both uh, recognized by each other. I don't have the picture to prove it. We never got the picture together, but I have that story. I had a really good Instagram caption for it, too, and very few people would have gotten it. You'll, you'll probably get it. Uh, you have to be a hockey person to do so, but my caption would have been, how's your breath? <laughs> you get it. I get it. I a lot, get it, a lot get of it. people don't. you got to be a hockey person to do so. But for our listeners who don't recognize that, a couple of years ago... I was watching a Penguins game on TV, and Pierre was part of the broadcast crew that night. You know, the Penguins are my team. And between periods, Pierre is interviewing Phil Kessel, and Phil is just gassed. He is breathing heavy. He's dripping sweat. And as they're wrapping up the interview, Pierre asks Phil, how's your breath? Meaning, are you starting to get wind back in your, in your, in your lungs? And Phil took it to mean that Pierre thought his breath smelled bad. So Phil said, must not be good. <laughs> and Pierre just kind of looks stunned and then laughs a split second later. It was like an awkward moment that turned kind of funny. <laughs> and, then, and then that was the roast on Kessel for the rest of that year. Crosby's putting Listerine in his locker, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. It was a good story. But uh, yeah, that was my favorite party yesterday. It was, uh, yeah, it was just, it was a fun day. It was a long day 
for us in the media because we were there literally all day. But, uh, you know, when the game got started, it was uh, the hoopla was all there, and uh, it, it was a good payoff in the Worth end. Worth it. Yeah, very much so. Dan Hoops, Ryan Steak with you. Let's take our first time out. When we come back, what do we take away from Thursday night football? Packers suffer their first loss. We'll talk about it next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you in The Sports Pen. Glad that you're with us. We are post-hockeyville. We're moving on to football where last night the Philadelphia Eagles beat Green Bay 34-27. Packers suffer their first loss of the season. I tell you what, Ryan, Packer fans came into that game on cloud nine I thought they were going to win. You know, I, I still wanted Green Bay to prove something to me before I went in on them. But I did think that they would win, not because of how dominant I thought they would be, but because the Eagles seemed like they were searching for themselves early on. I know they were dealing with injury. I know that, you know, they have a lot of other things to factor in there. But the Eagles just didn't seem like they had an identity before last night. However, one person in our Friends of the Show Pick'em League went with Philadelphia, and that person's sitting across from me in the studio. How'd you know? What was your secret? Uh, I just figured that uh, Green Bay's defense was going to get exposed mm-hmm. eventually. Um, Eagles put up a lot of points, and uh, like I said, I, was just, I wasn't buying the defense. I wasn't buying all this hype. Packers are 3-0, and all, you know, they're proving the doubters wrong. They're not as good as people think they no. are. They're not. And their run defense is atrocious. Their run defense is awful. <laughs> they're... Uh, you know, Rodgers made some mistakes. The Packers were inconsistent at times. It's like, I feel like that game kind of exposed what the flaws of that team really are. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I had a feeling that that was going to happen because they're playing an Eagles team that, although it was shaky, was still a solid program mm-hmm. overall. And, uh, you know... Of course, Lions fans are having fun because the Lions beat the <laughs> Eagles, so there you go. The Lions are first place in the division on September 27th. How about Who'd that? Who would have thought? Yeah. If the season ended today, the Lions would not only win the division, they would be the three seed in the NFC. If we ended the season right now, the Lions would host Green Bay in the wildcard round. There you go. How great is that? <laughs> it would be a, it would have been a memorable thing, but uh, yeah, I, I was trying to keep tabs of the football game as much as I could. I was focusing more on the hockey game that I was watching, but uh, just tweets and tweets from people I knew were Packers fans. They were not pleased with how the night was going. Well, there were a lot of injuries there. Uh, there were a couple major injuries on each side. Fortunately, both players have said today that they're okay and recovering well. Uh, but the Packers did not have much of a running attack last night. Philadelphia did. That script was flipped from the first three weeks of the season to last night. And people are pinning that loss on Matt LaFleur. People are really coming after his head because the Packers were inside the five-yard line twice in the fourth quarter and came away with no points because they decided not to run the football. They kept trying to throw uh, their second time down there in the red zone in the final minutes of the game. They had, what was it? first and goal from the one and threw four incomplete passes in a row. Rodgers got picked off to end the game. And people are mad that LaFleur didn't run the football. Now, in hindsight, yeah, that's what you want to do is you want to run the football. But did they really have a rushing attack that night? Or do you trust Rodgers, who many people believe is the greatest quarterback of all time, to be able to complete a one-yard pass in four attempts? I would think that you would run the football when you're down that low, Mm -hmm. but also that Rodgers shouldn't be able to get the ball in the end zone even if that were to happen it just did, did Matt LaFleur not go to the school of Daryl Bevel when it comes to goal line plays because apparently he like got his got his degree from the Daryl Bevel school of play calling Pete Carroll was so proud yeah he, I'm sure Pete was uh, just ecstatic to see her that I just you got to run the ball when you're that close you do I mean at least at least once. <laughs> you got to trust your offensive lineman. Yeah, I mean, especially if that close, you got to be able to see that your line's going to get that push. But um, at the same time, you got to think Rodgers can at least get the ball in the end zone from the one yeah. with the pass. So there's a lot of fault there. I Lafleur should be called out for his play calling. Rodgers should also be called out in the fact that he couldn't actually get the ball in from the one. No. And uh, so, yeah, it should be everybody 
should be uh, held accountable for that. So now how do we see this Packer team? We've got new light, new evidence against them. I, I guess we can say against them because, you know, it's their only loss there. This is the only thing you can pin against the Packers. So now how do we see this team? Because before last night's game, a lot of people were saying the Packers are a top three team in the NFL behind New England and Kansas City. Uh, I would say they were exposed, and I would say down to, I'd say top ten. Yeah, top ten sounds about right. Yeah, because um, they're not a bad team. They're not bad. I don't want to harp on them. I mean, you don't get to be three and one as a bad team, mm-hmm. but they weren't a top three team. Not no, even no. entering this weekend. No, I and I, I when I heard top three team, I laughed, <laughs> legit laughed out loud. When you say LOL, that's what I actually did because it's like they're not. It's like you look at what they had going into the year, and you could see the flaws that they had. Mm-hmm. Just because a team's three and zero doesn't mean that they have no issues. Right. You know, there's. So I would say top ten, maybe an outlier wild card team, but uh, no. Uh, there's other teams that are better. You know, Minnesota seems to be getting its act together now after mm-hmm. that blowout win last week. Um, you know, the Lions are playing better, and I think than people thought they were. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Bears are a question mark right now because we're trying to figure out what the deal is and people have finally comes to the grips of the fact that Mitch Trubisky will not be what people want him to be. No. Um, but uh, yeah. I tell you what. You I would look- say I would say other than the Pats and the Chiefs everybody else is there's a mess trying to get to the third best team. It is a mile between the number two team which I have as the Chiefs right now and whoever's at number three. Like mm-hmm. It is a huge gap between the Patriots, the Chiefs, and everybody else. But the schedule doesn't get a whole lot easier for Green Bay. They are at Dallas next week. That's going to be a toughie. Mm-hmm. They've got the Lions that could be a toughie. I mean, they're undefeated for a reason right now. They should be 3-0. and They've got the Raiders, who some weeks can be competitive. And then they've got to go to Kansas City. Yeah. Oh, and after that, the Chargers. We're going to get Melvin Gordon back this weekend. Yeah. Hmm. I uh that's not an easy road. No. Let's put it that way. Um but yeah, I football is it's interesting right now because mm-hmm. you don't want to jump to too many conclusions cuz it's still only week 4 mm-hmm. in the year, but you're starting to see teams get like I said with the Packers exposed for what the problems that they are and uh records can be deceiving, you know. You get you look at the win-loss thing and you're like, "Wow, this team must be really good." And then you finally get to see what they really are. And uh, I think you're going to see a little more of that this week. You know, and I don't want to make it seem like I am against the Packers or I'm anti-Packer. No. I feel like I've been I've been harsh on the Packers, but I don't think they're a bad team. I think they're an above-average team. I think they'll probably be a playoff team in the NFC. But they're not a top three football team. They're not a top three defense this year. I think even the most rabid Packers fan would have to agree with you that they're not a top three team at this point. They're, uh, I think, maybe an outlier wild card team. It's 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 still too early to I would say make playoff predictions because it is only week four. I think when you get to like week eight, week week eight, week nine, you can kind of have a little more clear picture on how things might shake out. Um, but. Uh, yeah, uh, the Packers were exposed last night, and I think a few more will probably this weekend. Do you think that was a must-win for Philadelphia if they want to win the East? I would say if they want to win the East, that was a must-win game. Yeah. Um, not not like a season-changing kind of game, but if the, if you want to keep pace in the East. At the same time, Dallas isn't as good as everybody thinks no. they're going to be now either. They Just, could lose this weekend against New Orleans. I think they are going to lose this mm-hmm. weekend against too. New Orleans. Um Come on, get on the Bridgewater bandwagon, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think, like, New Orleans is in a great situation, the fact that they actually have a good backup quarterback. Yep. Very few teams in the NFL can say, oh, if our all-pro quarterback goes down, you know, the season's over. No, not necessarily. I mean, you look at look at the Colts, you know. Mm-hmm. Luck goes down, he retires, everybody thinks it's over. Jacoby Brissett's having a great start yeah, to his is. year. So it's like... And he showed the year before a couple times that he can actually play good football. So the Colts are in good shape, and I think the Saints are too. I mean, yeah, they're going to want Breeze back when yeah. he comes back, but I mean, Bridgewater's a very serviceable backup. He showed that he played well in Minnesota, and I think the Saints are going to be fine. Well, and let's be honest. Even if the Saints go 500 under Teddy Bridgewater... Who are they worried about in that division? The Panthers? The Buccaneers? The, the Cam Newton-less Carolina <laughs> Panthers? The Jameis Winston Buccaneers? And the Falcons, who've been a huge flop compared to what people thought they could be this year. Uh, yeah, I, I 
I think I drafted very well in my fantasy league, except when it comes to quarterbacks. Yeah, yeah. So I might need to. I might have to make some moves. Just get Garner Minshew. I don't know if anybody's got that in that <laughs> league. Um, but uh, yeah, I have Matt Ryan starting this week. I'm not having high hopes for him. Yeah. Um, but uh, so I might have to recircle some stuff. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Just like that was a must win for the Eagles to keep their divisional title hopes alive. Is this weekend a must win for the Cleveland Browns because they're one and two? going into 3-0 and Baltimore. I think the Browns are going to lose this week, but mm-hmm. I think if they want to keep pace in the North, they'll need to get a win. Yep. Um, I think it's funny how everybody was like, all on the Browns this year. The Browns, man, this is the, this is the year. The division's theirs. Are you forgetting that Lamar Jackson's in Baltimore? Is that what everybody forgot? And please forgive me. I, I know that everyone wants to jump on me. I was incorrect. Baltimore's 2-1. and one. I think I said they're 3-0. Okay, okay. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, Baltimore's still there. They're a better team than Cleveland is. I mean, it's like, yeah, maybe the Browns had an outside chance at maybe getting a wild card this year, but it's like I still think they were a year away, you know, from actually being what people are hoping they'll be. So the Browns have looked awful mm-hmm. um, at times. I mean, yeah, they got to win. But, like, I mean, as a whole, has anybody been really impressed with the Cleveland Browns? No. And nobody should be impressed with the Cleveland Browns because they have the Cleveland Browns. Now, if the Browns had started, like, 6-0 and or something, yeah, maybe you could be. But they're 1-2, and two, you know? So, I'm... No, I don't think the Browns are going to do anything. And by the way, their end zone looks ridiculous. <laughs> that's 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 a side point, but yes, it looks ridiculous. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Let's take another time out when we come back. I've got something I've wanted to talk about for days and haven't had the opportunity to do so. We're going to do so next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops. Ryan Stieg with you Friday afternoon. Glad that you're along. Here's your Sports Center update. Felix Hernandez got a rousing ovation last night after walking off the bound at T-Mobile Park for presumably the last time as a Mariner. However, King Felix says he's not retiring and he is going to look for a new job elsewhere. Probably a smart move. Felix Hernandez, I think, is going to be one of the more underrated players in this era. Mm-hmm. I think because he played in Seattle, people are going to kind of forget about him. Mm-hmm. But when he was on, he was dominant. Oh, yeah. yeah, he was one of my favorites. Pelicans guard Kyle Kuzma is out indefinitely with a stress fracture in his foot. And finally, Jennifer Lopez and Shakira will perform at the Super Bowl 54 halftime show in Miami. A lot of people are upset about that. Why? They feel like J-Lo's not Miami enough because she's from Brooklyn and just went down to Miami to retire. She's from she's Jenny from the block. I mean, it's like, I mean, it's 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 Latina. I mean, it's like that's what the whole thing they're going for down there is it's Miami esque sounding music. I don't know. I mean, who do you, I mean, who do you want? Gloria Estefan. Pitbull. He's Miami. I don't personally want that. I like this lineup. I think it's a great lineup. I don't mind I mean, it. I like Shakira. I like Jennifer Lopez. It's better than Maroon Five. <laughs> Last year, I mean, it's like, I mean, when it was in Houston, I mean, Mm -hmm. Lady Gaga did a great job. Fifty Two Timberlake did a pretty good job. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, halftime shows have been for the most part been pretty good. There've only been a couple misses. Madonna's was a disaster, (laughs) and then Maroon Five last year was terrible. It got so bad. Adam Levine said, "You know what? I need." Adam Levine said, "I need to take off my shirt to make things better." (laughs) I mean, that that that's that's literally what he did. So. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, I think the lineup's gonna be great. I know. I could have gone with that for the end of the update, or the fact that Tony Romo is currently twenty eighth at the Safeway Open. Tony Romo playing in a pro golf tournament. He is trying to make the cut for this weekend and move on to the next round. If he does, that means that he's not going to be able to call the Bears Vikings game on Sunday on CBS. Meaning that Boomer Esiason will step in for him and call it with Jim Nance. Well, there's two things that could happen out of this if Tony Roma succeeds. One, if he wins this whole thing, Darren Darren said he's going to delete his Twitter account. So that would be an amazing thing. The second thing was... The bad thing would be is Boomer Esiason doing a broadcast because mm-hmm. Boomer Esiason is a terrible broadcaster <laughs> and he has a terrible radio show too. So it's, I'm hoping Tony, as much as it would be funny to see Ravel delete his Twitter account... <laughs> 
I'm hoping that Tony comes back and he fails because I don't want to sit through a Burma or Sison game. I want to hear Tony Romo call the Bears Vikings. That'd yeah. be fun doing that. It'd be great. He's good at what he does, and why would, you know, you'd suffer through a terrible broadcast we, if Boomer Sison We did would it. have to suffer through Cousins versus Trubisky. I want to do it with Romo, not with Boomer. That, well, yeah. <laughs> Interestingly, a lineup of... Boomer Siason, mm-hmm. mediocre NFL quarterback. <laughs> Kirk Cousins, mediocre NFL quarterback. Mitch Trubisky, awful NFL quarterback. <laughs> so it's like, it's an interesting lineup there. I want to go back to something real quick before we move on to something that's been on my mind for days. Are you not a Darren Rovell fan? I, I can take or leave him. No. You know, I mean, like, I, there's some stuff he tweets out that's kind of fun mm-hmm. and uh, interesting. And there's some other times where I think his ego gets into the way a little bit, where mm-hmm. I think that's where a lot of people are, like, hoping his Twitter account gets to because <laughs> he has such a huge ego. Some of the stuff I think is great that he tweets out because he knows a lot of business stuff. But mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I think it more be so funny because I love it when people make declarations on Twitter, <laughs> like, big, huge things like, oh, I'll eat my hat or I'll delete my account or I'll do, do something if this happens. Because nobody ever follows through with it. No. So I want to see if, you know, he actually does it. Make, maybe creates a new Twitter account. I tell you what, this has been on my mind for the last few days. I wanted to bring it up yesterday, and I briefly did, except it was a hockey day yesterday. The Minnesota Twins are going to the playoffs for the first time in two years, and they're division champions for the first time in nine years. My beloved Minnesota Twins have the chance to win their 100th game of the season tonight when they take on Kansas City, and only Eric Skoglund is standing in their way. Eric Skoglund sounds like a, <laughs> like a high school bully. You know what I mean? Like, like a childhood, you know, the guy who used to bully you at the bus stop in the morning, you know, like... There's that evil Eric Skoglund guy who lives down the street. So, yeah, that, that kind of name, yeah. Eric Skoglund sounds like a Minnesota name. Like yeah. he should be playing for Minnesota, not Kansas City. Exactly. Uh-huh. I, I am beyond thrilled about this. I am so happy if they win tonight or any other game this weekend. They've got three left to get one win to get to 100. It will be the second time ever the Twins reach the 100 win mark in a single season. But the Twins weren't the only team to clinch a playoff spot a couple of nights ago. The Milwaukee Brewers are on to the postseason in back-to-back years. And with that, it means the Cubs are eliminated. Did you see Joe Madden? I love fiery Joe Madden. Like, we have a thing for fiery coaches because they give us fiery audio we can use here. Mm -hmm. But Joe Madden, uh, he is deciding that he is not going to play his best players against Mm -hmm. the Cardinals this weekend. And that's significant because the Cardinals lead the Brewers by one game for the division. So Milwaukee is still trying to chase them down. They're down one game with three to go. And Brewer fans are mad at Joe Madden for not playing his best players in meaningless games. Madden responds with, I don't give a bleep if they're mad. Nor should he. I love Fiery (laughs) Joe. There's calm... Joe, and then there's Fiery Joe, and Fiery Joe comes out when he's frustrated, and uh, he should be considering that his job's pretty much on the line yeah. at this point. It, it, it's already gone, I think. Yeah, I think he's gone at the end of the year, which just goes to show that how pro sports is. Um, you end a 108-year curse three years ago mm-hmm. in the championship, and now you're going to be out the door in 2019. A lot so. of people want him gone last year. And now I think most of the Cubs fans are on that boat this year. I think more, yeah, I think, I thought 2018 was a bit of an extreme thing because they made the NLC, they made the NLCS the year after they won the championship. Mm-hmm. So um, I thought that was maybe a bit of a leap, but now I, he probably needs to go just because they underachieved once again. So how do you feel about Joe Girardi? I know how I feel about <laughs> Joe Girardi. I mean, <laughs> it's he's like, coming. I, Girardi to Chi Town, you can book it. I feel like Joe Girardi was a guy who probably should have won a lot more in New York than he did, and uh, I don't know if that's going to translate over into Chicago. <laughs> he won't last long there. No, no. If, if They're similar markets, Chicago and New York, and if you're not satisfying one fan base, because he did do a lot of winning, but he should have had more than one yes, title yes, during his time with the done. Yankees. Mm-hmm. If he brings that over to Chicago, it's going to be basically what Madden's done. You know, he did a lot of winning, but had just one title, albeit in far less time than Girardi spent in New York. 
But if you don't elevate this team back to perennially contending for a World Series, you're not going to last there long. Yeah, because, you know, and the Cubs are probably going to make some moves after this season, too. Mm-hmm. They're going to make some trades. The team's not going to be the same like it was in 2016. So uh, um, he might be inheriting a whole new, different formatted franchise. And uh, so it'd be interesting. Can you imagine if they decided not to go to Joe Girardi mm-hmm. and go with somebody else? I don't know who it would be, though. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I've seen crazier stuff, yep. you know? Like, you think somebody's going to get the job, and they don't. So I would think it's going to be him, but who knows? We know the Giants' job will be open. We know the Royals' job is going to be open. The Cubs, we think, is going to be open. So there are a few managers that are out there that, you know, honestly, though, I don't see a lot of managers losing their jobs on Monday. I think there's going to be a lot of guys that come back, even with teams that were in the bottom tier of their respective leagues, because they believe that the the franchise knows that they don't have the tools to win right now, but they believe that they can at some point. Like, Scott Service has gone through a few awful years with Seattle, and he's coming back. Ron Gardenhire. Ron Gardenhire's (laughs) coming back. They've extended him through next year. Brandon Hyde is still under contract for two more years. I'm just thinking of the worst teams in baseball right now. I think Tori Lavello is going to be back. I think the Diamondbacks aren't ready to give up on him. And I think Alex Cora is going to come back. And beyond them, I don't think there's anybody really on the hot seat. It's a pretty accurate assessment. I mean, it's interesting because you feel like in some years there's going to be like a complete fire sale mm-hmm. and everybody gets fired in Major League Baseball. But that's not going to be the case this year. I think there's only going to be a handful. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be one surprise firing because there usually is mm-hmm. like, Wow, that guy got canned? I don't know if he deserved that, but um, it'll be interesting to see who that is. It's usually a, it's usually a GM who has a quick trigger, basically. No, we already had Dombrowski. Yeah. Dombrowski was gone. That was the big surprise, I think, for a lot of people. Like, less than a year ago, he did <laughs> series, and then, but that's Boston. That's true. Uh, and uh, Boston's so demanding. Mm-hmm. If you don't have a championship, you don't believe that you should be there. And he was an outsider. Yeah. You know, he's not from Boston, so what does he know? Don Mattingly's coming back next year. Yeah, no. If you can keep your job with the Marlins, you're doing something right. But just goes to show how sad the Marlins are. <laughs> you know, it's like, we're, we're just going to ride the Mattingly train as far as we can take it. So Once yeah. we breed the next Yelich, we're going to ship him off somewhere. Yeah, basically. <laughs> so that's the Marlins in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. I do think that Girardi's going to the Cubs. I think Raul Labanez is going to get hired by the Giants. I don't know who I like for the Kansas City job. Raul Labanez. How about that? One of those major leaguers that whose name you recognize but never really entrenched yourself into your mind. He's a guy that probably should have been better than he was. Should have had a better career than he did. Mm -hmm. Reminds me of Placido Polanco. Remember him? Oh, yeah. Tiger fans remember him. I love that name, too. (laughs) Isn't that great? It's one of my favorite major league names. (laughs) I tell you what, baseball, the regular season comes to an end less than 20, uh, 24, how about 48 hours from now, Sunday afternoon, unless we have a game 163 and maybe a 164, depending what happens in the AL wildcard, because those are the only two spots not yet clinched. You've got Oakland, Tampa Bay, and Cleveland that are going for those three spots. Now, here's what could happen. Here's the tiebreaker scenario. If all three of them are tied after Sunday... They will go head-to-head, and they'll determine Team A, B, and C. And A and B, I think, will go up against each other. And I think those are the two with the best record. And whichever one wins is on to the wildcard game. And then the loser of that game will play Team C the next night. And whoever wins that also goes to the wildcard game. Huh. Wacky. It's weird. It's a, I, it's a weird thing. I don't know how Major League Baseball got to that conclusion, but that is the format if it comes to that on Sunday. It, uh, it's interesting how the NL is pretty much all wrapped up now. Mm-hmm. Now, it, well, now it's like, oh, can can Milwaukee chase the Cardinals in the division? Mm-hmm. You know, which I, you know, it's a still, could. yeah, could pull it off. Needs uh, little things to go their way, but uh, that's all in place. I hope the Rays get it done. Um, my wife's a Tampa Bay Rays fan, okay. so I'm hoping that uh, that that turns out okay. And it'd be kind of nice to see Cleveland on the outside, yes. just because it's like they've they've had their chance for the last few years and they haven't done it. And it's just like, okay, let other people in. You had your chance. Go away now, Francona. How good have the Brewers been though since Yelich went down? Like they're thirteen and two without Yelich. Well, you'll find out in my column on this <laughs> on Saturday, <laughs> but uh, where I make my place, my some of my playoff predictions. Uh, they've just been impressive. Uh, it's their pitching that's carrying them. 
You know, some people, yeah, some people thought that would be their weakness coming into the year, but they're actually very consistent. Everybody's contributing. Their bullpen, their bullpen's been locked down. I think, uh, I think, as I'll put in my column, if they can dodge, if they can get, they pass the Cardinals in the division this weekend. I don't think they're going to do it, but if they do, that'd be great for them mm-hmm. because you get stuck in the dreaded wild card game. You have one, <laughs> you have one night. If things don't go your way, you can have like the best regular season that you've had in years, mm-hmm. but if you have one bad night, your season's over. So it's like I've seen so many teams do that where they look like, oh, this team could, you know, yeah, there's two good teams in that division, but it's like this team's a World Series contender, and then they get stuck in the wild card game, and they're done. So um, I think that's the worst thing for them, but uh, we'll see what happens. And they might need to go to Washington, who's won 90 games, and they've got shirtless Brian Dozier ready to dance in the locker room. And he'll be twerking. <laughs> I miss Brian Dozier so much, but that video after the Nationals clinched was is just one of my favorites of all time. Just iconic. So, like, my question is, you know, if you win the wild card game, mm-hmm. do you celebrate as a team? I think you do. You know? I think you do. Is it, I mean, like, is it a muted celebration? No, yeah. no, you're keeping your season alive. Okay, because, I mean, like, sometimes you think, like, okay... You win your one game, and now you got to move and play like a five-game series. Mm-hmm. Do you like? Do you benches clearing? Everybody jumps up and down on the mound, or is everybody just kind of trot out to the mound and high fives and stuff like that? I think that depends on your recent success. Mm-hmm. Like for some teams, like the Twins, I'm sure are going to be like this. Postseason wins have been hard to come by, and uh-huh. you're going to cherish every single one of them. Okay. That's the way I would look. I was just wondering how you look at it, because it's like, I can understand you get past, like, the ALDS or the ALCS, you know, you get excited, there's a celebration, but, like, the wild card, it's like, okay, we probably should have won this game, (laughs) so it's like, do you really, you know, leap and get all amped into it, or do you just kind of, like, keep it more subdued? I was wondering how it's going to shake out. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stieg with you. Let's take our last time out. Coming up, the Friday Funnies to finish out the week next on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. If you missed any of the show today, get caught up on demand. Get our free mobile app from the Apple iStore, Google Play, or look at ESPNUP.com. Tanner and Ryan with you Friday afternoon. The Friday Funnies to finish out the work week. What's up this week ryan i only got a couple um and we only have like six minutes so i'll I'll try to go fast with them uh did you hear about the ref um at that football game who got shot in the head with a cannon oh my god no Uh, so apparently it was like some maritime academy college football game out in maine i think Mm. and okay so you know Schools have the tradition where you fire off a cannon, you right. know, others. Well, they're supposed to be loaded with blank shells, mm-hmm. where some alum brought his own cannon to the game <laughs> and, loaded it, a cannon? and it loaded it with black powder, which turned into a wad, and when he fired it, it hit the ref in the head. Oh the my wad gosh. did. Now, the ref is doing okay, but the school has come out and said, we are no longer allowing alums to bring their own cannons to play. What you think would be like a selfish... That's just one of those rules that no other school ever has to worry about. Yeah, you, you think this wouldn't be a problem to begin with, but apparently now you have to say, no, you can't bring your own cannon to a football Cannons game. Cannons are not allowed on campus. No alcohol, tobacco, <laughs> firearms, or cannons. You don't think you'd have to get to that point, but <laughs> apparently now you got to make it sure it's on there. It's like that sign at the Coliseum last night. It showed the building's age was 106 years old because there was a sign, I'm not even kidding, at the Calumet Coliseum last night that said, no smoking while on the ice. Yep. Like, has anyone smoked on an ice rink since 1950? Even that? <laughs> even that? Going that Because I'm like, I'm pretty sure like a lot of buildings did their anti-smoking things like in the 60s and 70s mm-hmm. so uh do you hear about the guy for the jets um, the winnipeg jets who ate a mustard oh, winnipeg, pa- jets. winnipeg jets down to mustard packet yes. on the bench and like people all grossed out about it so deadspin reached out to the jets and we're like why is he downing mustard packets <laughs> on the bench and they said i know how accurate this is but they said their athletic therapists have mustard packets on the bench to help with cramps is that a thing I don't know. I'm trying to understand it. Uh, that. 
But you thought that was gross? Can you imagine if someone like downs a relish packet or, oh. a, a, you know, it's, I'm looking, I'm like, not only is that gross, but now is this some kind of Tom Brady-esque medical treatment that we're going through here? Like, at least mustard's my favorite condiment. I mean, if I had to take any kind of fast food condiment yeah. packet and pour it down my throat, it'd probably be mustard, but something like ranch, mayonnaise, that'd be disgusting. I mean, I mean ketchup. I didn't know it apparently might help with cramps. So uh, there you go. If you're having a cramp during the course of the day, leg, arm, whatever, go to your local McDonald's, grab a mustard packet, and down it, and apparently it'll make you feel better. What if I take like a Heinz bottle or no, what was it yesterday? Was it the Kraft? But A1 like, steak sauce. A1 steak sauce. There was There were condiments, like people in condiment costumes running around at Kraft Hockeyville yesterday. There was ketchup, mustard, and was it steak sauce was yeah. the brown one? What if I got, like, a bottle of mustard, like the costume that we saw yesterday, and I just poured it down like a frat boy? I could handle the steak sauce probably a little more, because there's some zing to it when you drink. You oh, know. mustard's all about zing. Yeah, but, eh, it's in a little packet. you got to have the bottle of the soy sauce. Uh, you got to have a bottle of the A1 steak sauce, which apparently were in gift bags, <laughs> along with, uh... I think some macaroni was in there, too, and some Maxwell House coffee is a weird I gift wish bag. I would have got some of that. It <laughs> sounds like a good gift yeah, bag. Yeah, a bag of groceries is basically what they were giving you. I love coffee, mac and cheese, and mustard. I'd love this bag like that. My last one, did you see what Brandon Graham of the Eagles did? No. Okay, so in the post game, he got NBC Sports Phillies' Derek Gunn predicted the Packers are going to win the game, and mm-hmm. he listed his reasons why. Well, Brandon Graham dialed his mom on FaceTime in the post game and held it up so she could see Derek Dunn and his mom called him out for printing <laughs> against the Eagles. <laughs> so just imagine you're sitting there in a post game and a player brings up their mom on the FaceTime <laughs> and the mom makes fun of you for picking against your kid's team. I think that would be... Apparently, he, Derek and Brandon Graham have a good you know, working mm-hmm. relationship, so he kind of laughed it off, but it, it's a funny way to end it. That know? sounds like something that Wanda Durant would have done. Yes. Although I think they've had a little bit of a falling out. Her I think Kevin. so, too. Yeah. But, but like last year, that's definitely something she would have done. Yes. Uh, I could only imagine if that happened to me. Like I'm sitting there at a game, and uh, you know, if Troy Loggins' mom last year called me and it's time to make fun of me. Now, I've never actually made actual Wildcat predictions, but uh, just imagine it would have been crazy. Tanner Hoops, Ryan Stig, with you with that. It's five o'clock, and we are out of time. What do you have to plug this week, though, Ryan? Uh well, I got my uh, my Sunday column. I'll make um, some playoff predictions, and I'll talk about the Brewers' chances. That'll come out on Saturday, and then uh, I'm going to work on a feature story on uh, Dom Shine and Troy Loggins. That's going to come out sometime next week. Okay. Uh, you know, on their experiences with hockey. They also did an interview with Grant about Grant Patoni about the uh, the two of those. Who, interesting enough, as you'll find in my article. When Grant was at Minnesota, he recruited Dom Shine. Is that right? So he had some comments on Dom as well. So that'll be on the feature that comes out next week. I tell you what, that's it for us here in the sports pen. For Ryan Stieg, I'm Tanner Hoops. Our Coaches Show replay starts now if you missed it earlier. And I'll talk at you tonight for Patriot Football, 640 pregame, 7 o'clock kick on ESPN-UP.